it's just a silly thing that bothered me today on the internet. podcast that is only here on this Memorial Day of 2022, thanks to the brave patriots who made the highest imaginable sacrifice, soldiers who fought and died so that we did not have to, so that we could live our lives and enjoy the freedoms we too often take for granted in this country. The freedom to podcast, for example, and also the freedom to, every few years, look upon the giant bleeding piles of shattered child corpses and lament, patriotically, that our freedoms require this of us. That our freedoms require this of the dead. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host, that's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here too, how you doing, Lori? I'm alright. Lori's alright. Today is Monday. May 30th, 2022. As I said, it's Memorial Day. Had the day off today, did you, Abe? Mostly had the day. By the way, I don't want to take too much attention away from the official reason for Memorial Day, but let's not forget, this is the one-year anniversary of the official end of the pandemic. I mean, one year That's yeah. right. since the end. Time to celebrate. <laughs> But no, I I have a weird work week this week where the, I'm losing two days worth of work to like help out with something else. So I'm, I actually did some work on a holiday, which is something I haven't done. A federal about- employee doing work on a federal holiday <laughs> for the troops, obviously. That's Unspeakable what you've no, done. No, he's that's how he's showing respect. Right. I think for the troops, the dead troops. That is yeah. Right. This hey, is the sad you one. work You're for the federal government. If you have a, a federal government job responsibility two days this week that you have to attend to, yeah. you put that work off that is missed. <laughs> you just, you just that we'll get to that later. <laughs> we don't pay you to stay ahead of the game. I think it's actually illegal for me to work off the clock. Not that it's ever exactly. Mm. What are you doing? The union is going to be very <laughs> mad at you. I'm afraid I'm going to have to report this. My mother posted and deleted something on Facebook today. Oh, she deleted it. Yeah, she deleted something it. funny. Are you going to talk about the the letters? I feel like you have to tell Abe, but you can't put it in the show because it'll stop if she puts it in the show. Nah, she won't listen. It's fine, and she'll forget even if she does listen. Okay. Uh, but. What Lori's talking about there is, you remember, I've written about this before. Uh, great essay, by the way. Didn't get nearly the traction in the broader culture that it deserved, obviously. You didn't do it for the traction, though, Bob. I, I, no, I, I, didn't, I didn't do it for the attention or the traction or anything like that. But, you know, a lot of Bob my essays, a lot of my essays, a lot of my essays are pets. shitty. Uh, but some of my good essays are, are real fucking good. And, you know... It's good. You did good. Thanks. Uh, I wrote about the retarded SpongeBob meme, which uh, you're not supposed to phrase it that way. But that's the most, but as the crow flies communication, you know. It's, uh, 
Right, everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say the retarded SpongeBob meme. I don't remember when I wrote this, but I think it was before we started the show. Oh, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. It was back. a while ago. But the point of that was that the SpongeBob. It's a mocking SpongeBob. It's mo- I don't right, see right, it as sorry, retarded, retarded at all. Not retarded SpongeBob. Mocking SpongeBob. Mocking. It's when he makes like the funny chicken face and he's like half bent over and he just repeats whatever it is that you just said to prove that you're an idiot, right? So you say something like, uh, Happy birthday, Stephen. <laughs> Happy birthday, Stephen. And mocking SpongeBob. Would, Happy birthday, yeah, would bend over. <laughs> And in alternating all caps, right, right in, in in irrational caps, like a like a, a lowercase yeah. at the start, and then a couple of uppercases, and then a couple lower, like just completely not making any sense, alternating between caps and non caps. My mother, whenever she posts on Facebook for someone's birthday or texts it in the group chat for somebody's birthday. She does the alternating caps for the happy birthday. It's true. It is festive. You can't argue that it's festive. And I can't help but see it as almost anyone who's online, any amount these days, would see that text and say that person's doing the retarded voice and making fun of whoever it is, it's birthday it is, right? Right. And that's how she... And I, I feel like we've I, I or Andrew have pointed this out to her in the past, which is why I don't hesitate to make fun of it now. Because even in the unlikely scenario that she listens to this, she's not going to remember that the the alternating caps thing makes it sound like you're doing you're making fun of somebody. Now, is it one of those cases where she appreciates that it can that some people use it for that reason, and she is just plowing ahead and using it for her I purposes? Know. I don't think she puts Probably any not. thought into it along those lines. Yeah. Probably not. Anyway, the point of the essay, which I'll, I'll stick it in the show notes, is that it like that's a for whatever reason that level of like cultural shorthand for calling somebody retarded is, is still totally fine, uh, and that that amuses me to a certain extent. There is the plausible uh, deniability, which is the secret ingredient to why certain things you're like, huh? How come this uh, survived uh, the cut? And it's usually like, no, right. that's not retarded, just silly or goofy or some other explanation. You need to have right. even though SpongeBob's face, if you look at the meme, right. like it's, it's clear what's going on there. <laughs> uh, all right, let's talk about dead kids. Oh yes, that's always good for a laugh. Abe, a week ago, tomorrow, so six days ago, a guy. Yes, I can call up his name. I can in my head call up his name. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to, but I just realized it's in there. I was going to say a guy whose name I can't even remember at this point, but that's not true. I have the name on on tap at the moment. I just won't say it. Not that it matters. 18-year-old kid shoots his grandmother in the head, uh, does not kill her, leaves her for dead, drives like two or three miles across town to the local elementary school, uh, dilly-dallies a little bit, and then eventually barges his way in through the school ends up in one particular classroom after shooting a few times both outside the school and then on his way sort of through the school, ends up in one particular classroom. And the end of the story is that there were 19 dead children plus two dead adults. Uh, And the the killer eventually also succumbed to the police for a total of uh, 22 bodies at the scene. And we've spent the last week 
uh, talking about that as a culture. And there are any number of ways to talk about it, obviously. And I'm not sure where exactly to begin, in part because I think there is almost no value whatsoever in what I think we can safely describe as the angry white male yelling, do something. Uh, like the Steve Kerr model right. of right. of reaction, there were like there were a number of examples that went viral over the last week. Chris Murphy in the on the Senate floor basically had a five minute yelling rant about more his was more tearful, than, more more tearful yeah. and sorrowful than uh, than yelling, but the passion was certainly there. And it's funny the things that we still allow in the culture, white men to get angry and yelly about without feeling weird about it. You know, like there's, that used to be, that was like the dominant form of expression uh, across a lot of the media was the angry yelling white male, uh, arguably birthed a whole media ecosystem uh, over at Fox news. And, and so in that way, it's sort of become repellent and repugnant to a lot of the population. We, we shovel off the righteous outrage we let the minorities do that now more, uh, and we, we feel weird about it when it's a white guy. But in these moments, following these school shootings, we seem to – we get a flowering of the angry white man uh, doing his, his outrage thing, his do-something thing. And it has – I mean, obviously it has no – that sort of thing doesn't move the needle for anybody. It doesn't change anything for anyone. It, the idea that somehow yelling with righteous moral outrage is going to stir people – when uh, piles of shattered children right. do not. <laughs> like yeah. if, I don't know. I think people listen to sports figures. I don't that, know. I that think don't that care about if two classrooms full of dead kids. I'm not saying good people didn't move it for you, but Steve Kerr before a war- Warriors game uh, does. Then, I mean, yeah, I guess it takes all kinds. But, but. assuming that that it did. I mean it, it made the rounds online but I mean and also there were some of the, the the teams I think in in hockey and the NBA they had signs up at the, the arena. It seems like it's kind of coming from all different uh areas. Yeah. Well, and he I mean the any questions about basketball right now don't matter. But like that is attention grabbing. Right. Yeah, sure. I'm not believe me. I mean I started the podcast last night with a or last week after we'd already done it, right? Because this this all happened after the recording last week. And I was about to publish and all these fucking dead kids on the television. And like, what am I going to do now? And and listening to it. And it just, this is one of those that just got worse with every new detail that came out. And not not that it needs to get worse from two classrooms full of dead school children. But somehow each of the each of the days following this, the more and more that we found out about it, the worse it felt. But anyway, like I, I completely sympathize and, and relate to Steve Kerr's wanting to get up there and fucking say something. That's what I did at the start of the podcast last week. I meandered and rambled for 10 minutes about the news of the day because it felt weird to just publish without saying something about it. I get that. But the idea that it, like, I don't know, that it moves yeah, anything or changes anything. One of you is anything. Steve Kerr and the other one isn't. Sure. But it's possible that one of you has a little more power than the other. The one who's Steve Kerr. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> That's right. But, but I just, it, he, 
does he have more cultural sway? There's not even no one. I'm not arguing that remotely. I'm just saying that he also has none. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but it, one, if one person, it could have changed one person's mind, and they know a bunch of people. Yeah. His nun carried more weight than your nun to the outside world anyways. By the way, full disclosure, due to my listening patterns uh, of podcast, I save a bunch and I listen to a bunch. So I actually haven't listened yeah. to the 10-minute insert on last week's episode. So I may say something oh, that yeah, is yeah. similar to what you already said. I have, I have you, no – You know how Bob feels right. about things. Yeah. You don't need to listen to that. <laughs> I didn't break any new ground, okay. let's say. Uh, did talk increasingly like Barack Obama, though. Oh, if you say so. But so, I, I, I assume I'm almost certain that you have more information about the shooting than I do, because obviously a tragedy, just like all these other tragedies. And when the information about the the very slow response by the responders, it's hard to tell how many people could have been saved. You know, some of the people, kids bleeding out or whatever. I don't know that, but it seems like, seems like it's a non-zero number. We don't have any definitive answers on that. Right. No way to know, but let's not find We out. will know there will be an investigation that breaks this entire thing down second by second. And we'll, they, they'll be able to easily figure out just by talking to the kids in the room. Right. How oh, many talk to the kids. Jesus fucking Christ. Make them relive that? I mean, that, that fucking bed's been made. I guess you can always God. make it worse, but it's hard. There's no to... putting that sandcastle right. back together the way that it was before. Uh, I, and I say without – we're not talking about this with the seriousness w- w- that it deserves, obviously. You're not going to rebuild these kids. These kids will never be the same. Right. The one that the ones that survived, there's not any amount of therapy or or not talking about it that's going to keep them from being – from having a profound impact on their lives going forward. And if they're lucky, it won't have shattered their chances at a normal life entirely. I mean, we're talking about an over 78 minutes from the first, from the, from when he entered the school to when the police burst in and killed him. The overwhelming majority of those minutes over an hour, well over an hour uh, spent locked in a classroom and for whatever reason, not killing everybody inside, uh, kill, killing a lot of them, but deciding, I guess, to like hide in a closet or something. Right. It sounds like for for a lot of the of the time that he was in there. I do want to talk about the the police response because my instinct in that first day or two afterwards was to be extremely skeptical of what was becoming a pile on to the police response where. We, we would see video leak out, like somebody's fucking Instagram live video or a, or a YouTube video right. of parents outside the school, like beseeching the officers to get their asses in gear and go, go get their kids out of the school or to at least let them go get their own kids out of the school. And because we didn't have context for those clips, it was hard to say when exactly that happened, what was going on in the school at the time. And my instinct was like, look, I won't shy away from being super mad at the cops eventually. But right in the immediate aftermath of this, the idea that we know anything seems wrong. And I, I was, I was wrong about that. But I mean, <laughs> cops, like, it's still a no, sound strategy to kind of let the, the information come in and stabilize. I've never, I mean, every time this sort of thing happens, uh, the first day, sometimes the first couple of days, the story constantly shifts you know there's always like oh there was a second shooter not not in this case but there's always like a lot of noise and then things settle down so 
during this noise period, it would make sense to say, let's just reserve judgment until we have more information. What was odd about the shifting stories, it seemed like there was an effort to clear the cops' uh, like role in this, to say, oh, we exchanged fire. No, we didn't. We we engaged them faster. No, we didn't. Or, like All of these things that are actions that you would expect of law enforcement. I mean, this is a dangerous situation, to be sure, but this is a school shooting with at an elementary school. If you are hesitant to go in in this situation where there's like a handful of you, it's not, you know, almost all shootings, it's one person. Columbine was two. Maybe there were others, but I can't think of another instance where it was more than... So you, like Columbine was two, yeah, that, and, that's and that's where like a it ends. Rare exceptions. Well, uh, no, there's, uh, was it San Bernardino that was two also, the... The gay club? No, the husband and wife in California. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, so that was yeah. But this but, is a fun conversation. But often it's when there one, one person. One. Let's let's give an exception two, right? Was the gay club in Orlando just one? That was, was just one. one but they, the wife was his wife went to uh, trial for aiding and abetting, okay. kind of giving like material it, support. Because then I, I think what we're thinking of is in other countries, right? When it's not schools right. and it's terrorists. Right. It's ISIS, yeah. and it's a few. Like in in Paris, like Bataclan Club, and yeah. this other place, and that other place. Yeah, and, and it's typically here. It's basically, the reason why I bring that up is what more information did the cops need in that moment to engage? And also, if the situation was resolved, and that's why there was no need to, to be aggressive or whatever, Like it, it just didn't add up to the calls that have been found to have come out of the school – during that period of time. So it's like, it seemed right. like the first before, couple of days... Before we go a little, any any further, I, I do want to make one sort of meta point about this, which is about the conspiracy theorizing that happens after these things. Right. For all of the shit that we give the media, and there's plenty of shit to go around, whether it's to the cops or to the media or to whatever, I think it's worth pointing out how well our system actually works at discovering what actually happened in any given event. Right. Despite all of the incentives for all of the various police forces here is to establish that we didn't do anything wrong, right? right? And they're the only ones with any of the information because there's too much chaos on the school side of things for anybody there to be a reliable witness as to what actually was going on in terms of contradicting what the cop's story is going to be. Right. right? Which is not, it's not to forgive the, I guess we can call them lies, but out of that massive confusion and chaos to that, we, that we got wrong stories about, about what was happening, especially at the very beginning. But now that's all been corrected and it's not just been corrected because there's like uh, indisputable video evidence of these things. It's just been corrected because they got their story. Like they com- they combined all of the stories that all of the different responding officers had out of those reports, and then they amend the stories. Right? It doesn't like, mean that call, we should like a replay call in a football right. game. It doesn't mean that we have to automatically believe this shit now, and that we shouldn't be digging further. And, and that's. I, but I think it's worth pointing right. out because out of every single one of these things, we will get uh, competing narratives of conspiracy theories, and it's just as abhorrent when. And the Alex Joneses of the world automatically say this is a bunch of crisis actors and this thing didn't actually happen. 
it's equally as un- I mean, it's not equally as like morally abhorrent, but it's as unhelpful to <laughs> insist on the other side some alternative narrative that isn't actually supported by any of the facts either, and is mostly just guesswork, right? And I think it's worth pointing out that we actually do in this country a reasonably good job of coming to a fair retelling of of the things that actually happened on the ground and we do it it's messy and it's and it feels bad and people lie or they they get things wrong and they have to be corrected but ultimately i think we do a pretty decent job of coming to a a good understanding of what happened right and your and your characterization is i would say on the charitable side likely it could also be true right i'm i don't know but another ex- explanation could be they try to cover their ass to, to, to kind of give the appearance of doing something more noble than they actually did. Again, I don't know what happened. Is it uh, Was the plan all along to shoot the grandmother and then go to that school, or did something change, alter his course to go to the school? Like, has that been settled yet? Like, was this the ultimate well, plan, so, so, or he just stumbled into right, it? Right, so the, it's not clear, because there's no manifesto here. There's no reason for this. There's no why. Uh, what appears to have happened is that and the only thing that we know, the only reason we know any of this is because he was like instant messaging with somebody on the internet in fucking Germany. And in the in the previous week had been instant messaging with somebody in California. And so they're like putting together his, his internet chat history with these strangers, effectively strangers from around the world to try to understand what was going on in this guy's head. And he was chatting that last Tuesday morning with somebody in Germany that he met on some site where you just go to connect with strangers and chat with strangers. And he said that he and his grandmother were having some sort of an argument that had something to do with the phone bill, the the cell phone bill. And he like, he tells his, his chat friend, like, I'm going to, I'm going to have to do something to this bitch in reference to his grandmother. And then he says, I just shot her. And then he says, like, I'm going to go shoot up an elementary school right now. And then fucking 10 minutes later, he's, down the street shooting up an elementary school. Uh, but that's like the extent of the planning as it's understood, I that think. That just one day woke the up. the part where he bought guns. And, and then all the ammunition needed to carry out this. I mean, I don't... Right. I mean, that, obviously, this had been on his mind for some time. And he, he had purchased those two weapons and, you know, in excess of a thousand rounds of ammunition or something have, like and that, also, I think, is what I And also, one saw. other thing of the story, I mean, ultimately, it doesn't matter... It's important to get it right, but it doesn't change the fact that all the, all these children died. But like, is it confirmed that he died by exchange of fire, or he killed himself when it became clear that he was gonna? The police the police burst in at minute seventy eight and opened fire, and they fired twenty seven rounds and apparently killed him. And he was exchanging fire with them at that time. I don't know if he burst through the closet that he'd been hiding in or if he shot through the closet and then was in turn shot through the closet door. I don't know if we have that level of detail yet, but my understanding is that there was an exchange of gunfire after they broke down or opened, unlocked the door, opened it. Okay. And then the thing that I read today said that the cops fired 27 rounds at him, which will, which will generally do the trick if you, if you, if you hit him a few times. I'm not sure that this is a question of police cowardice as much as it can probably be a, a question of police ineptitude combined with command structure that was not at all correctly determined combined with 
uh, failure to follow the rules of engagement as laid out in their training. Ever since Columbine, you do not allow someone to lay siege to a school in an active or any active shooter situation that they change the rules of engagement for this because it's not the sort of thing where it's like a terrorist on a bus or a plane. Right. And, and the goal is to get a pile of money or get safe passage to some non-extradition country or something or like that. Or release some hostage or some prisoner right, where in the some hostages country. are actually a bartering chip right. for the person doing the crime. Right. This is yeah, the motivation overwhelmingly is now. It's, it's just an attempt at slaughter. Right. Kill as many people. So basically time is of the essence. So there isn't any utility in sticking around and like regrouping and getting some – hostage negotiator and blah 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 like you see in the, the or the even movies. or even backup right it's like in in buffalo the cops got the first cop on the scene like the i think it was the three cops that were immediately on the scene within like a minute and a half or something right. of that starting in the supermarket and they all charge in and i think they all i think at least two of them were shot i don't think that they none of the responding officers were killed just the security guard was killed there but the guys who ultimately killed the guy in Buffalo were the first responders, right. the very first people on the scene. And what seems like happened is the armed cop who was supposed to be there, the, the school district cop who's supposed to be on campus. Can we before that? How the fuck did the guy get in the school again? He just went in through an unlocked back door. So this is the, so, And this is why there's so many billions of ways to talk about this. And you have to – when you're talking about it, it feels like – Maybe it's just my stupid training as a uh, philosophy major where I'm anticipating all of the counter arguments all of the time. And so I feel like I have to constantly circle back to them. Uh, but like with Ted Cruz talking about how we need to have hardened schools and we need to have locked doors and one way in, one way out schools. Create fire hazards everywhere. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, but since I was in high school, that was the rule. Yeah. It's, like right. my, my senior following, I don't know if it was post Columbine. Or what it was. If I don't know if the rules were in place before then, but in my high school, you were only allowed in one of the doors. You were allowed out right. a number of other doors because the right. there was a it was a three thousand person school. It was an enormous right. campus. Like we, you can't just go out of one door when there are three thousand people who go to that school every day. It would take day. you an hour to leave if it. If- right. And so you weren't allowed – like there were emergency exits and then there were also other exits that other you're allowed doors. to leave through but you're not supposed to enter through, right? That that the only entrance right. to that school is supposed to be – and this is 2000, 2001. The, the entire – the only entrance in that school was supposed to be the one main entrance and you're not – and of course we propped doors open all the fucking time. I was on the newspaper. We were there until midnight. It is different. that Those rules change when school's not in session. I believe, at least it, I think it, it might. I mean, we weren't supposed to leave the doors open. We were supposed, right. the, the school was supposed to be locked up, uh, but we did what we did, and like, yeah, I guess we're in retrospect, you just say we're lucky. But like, right, But the bottom line is that these, when Ted Cruz or, or whoever the fuck is talking it was Ted about Ted Cruz yelling about unlocked back doors, it's not just right. But the, he's just one of a dozen of them who yeah, get sure. in front of the camera and say the exact same fucking thing, which is there's nothing we can do except make hard targets of our schools, which completely ignores the fact that schools are overwhelmingly already hard targets. They're also this school, it feels like a prison as it is when you're in there and you don't want to be there. Sure, right. My kid's school has. One way in, and they're not supposed to leave out of any of the other doors either. This is now. They don't, uh, to my knowledge, they don't have an armed cop on on the premises all the time. But that this school 
in Texas, there was supposed to be an armed cop on the premises. Now, I think he was he like possibly cycles between a couple of different schools. So it's not like he was derelict in his duty. It's possible that he was just doing a round on another school, which is why he wasn't there. But like this school already had the the notion of being a hard target was already baked in here at this right. school, which is that they have a cop or a, a, a school district cop, not not a local police force cop who's armed, who's on campus, and all of the doors in the school are supposed to be locked, and you're only supposed to go in through the front entrance. It happens that the back door was propped open because it's a beautiful day in May, right? And it's probably hot, and the the wind blowing through the school makes everything feel fucking better. And the idea that you have to have, like, it it doesn't occur to whoever propped that door open that there's going to be a fucking psychopath showing up uh, with an arsenal to do as much bodily harm to everyone as possible. And, you know, like, that's not the world we should be living in. You can't say, oh, we would open the door, but it's not safe. Like, (laughs) that sounds crazy. And and that's the problem with all of these efforts is that you can't hearten up at all of these schools and grocery stores and concerts and all of the places where this happens because the risk, the relative risk is so minuscule that it will happen to your school or to your it's grocery still, store. It's to your still cost. one in a it fucking so, million. Probably even right. less so now. Naturally, your guard will be down. Like on the off chance that some crazy lunatic will come in to shoot my school, I'm going to inconvenience myself every single day forever, right? Yeah. Like you're going to cut a corner or two by propping up doors or having a little more lax security. And also, by the way, there have been instances where the security person was actually there and they got shot. Like, you know, or didn't uh, a security person die in Buffalo? Like, I mean, oh. if, if somebody has the intent yeah, the to kill... Armed, and have they, they have an armed guard at a grocery store and he got shot yeah, and killed, right? Shot. Right. And then so Marjorie like, Stoneman Douglas, the... the and he just fucked off. The guy... Yeah, now that guy was, was actually a coward. I mean... Right, yeah, hiding well, instead of so going in and confronting My understanding about these school resource officers, they're not there to protect the children... They're there in case one of these fucking kids starts mouthing off to someone. Sure. We had in our 3000 person high school, we had an armed school resource officer. Like in the bigger schools, this has already been a thing for generations. It's not new. It didn't make me feel safer. It made the teachers feel safer from the delinquent children. Like they're not there to guard the school. They're guard. They're there to guard the people against one another, I guess. Right. And it also, I don't know if th- this is the original idea, but it, it, it gives the illusion of deterrence. Like, oh, if a cop is there, maybe somebody's like, I don't want to deal with that. That's too big. Of-. But you'll find that people who are wanting to kill a bunch of people, they're like, I'll kill the fat <laughs> cop, okay, I'll too. Kill the you cop. know, like, yeah, it's, it's not going to be a big hurdle to clear. It's not like you're going up against Rambo, right? You can just go right through and kill him, right? Right. To, so, say, to say nothing and, and like, you get into this weird thing where it's incredibly rare, but the prospect of it means that my kids have to go through active shooter drills. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and there they are. They go through lockdown they're drills. They're called lockdown drills. They don't call them active the shooter teachers drills. teachers go through active shooter drills. Right. But still, my kids have to. I think it's four times a year. Four, probably they once have to a go quarter, through maybe. these lockdown drills. And with the, the ones who know anything about it, know what's actually going on right it's like there's plenty of kids who are like completely ignorant of why are we doing this but there's also plenty of kids who are like oh this is because there might be a psychopath who shows up and tries to kill us all with a gun to say nothing of the fact that like 
what reasonable person wants to live in a society that it no longer functions as a society to the extent that we now have to like if we, when yeah. we send our kids places they have to go to fucking prisons that have one door in and one door out and they can't leave and they can't they can't be are they allowed to go on the fucking playground or, right. or the, does it have to be behind a 20 foot tall uh, concrete reinforced brick wall that nobody could uh, fire over or through or something like that, right? Like the kids still go out on the playground hundreds at a time, presumably, where they're exposed to the open air. I mean, parents were jumping fences. So what does that mean? Like if, if there are chain link fences around the school that parents can easily jump over in order to go try and dig their kids out, what's going to stop a shooter from doing that? And the answer is nothing. Right. All right. And I think I said when we were talking about Buffalo, I think I said something like it's silly to talk about this in terms of ease of access to weapons because this guy was so committed to his thing that one way or another he was going to find these weapons to discuss gun laws in that particular context I thought was probably a little bit misguided because this is somebody who like over the course of the last two years had committed to becoming an ideologue in this way and and a violent yeah. ideologue and that uh, lax gun laws or tight gun laws were ultimately not going to be a barrier to him he was going to get those guns one way or another I don't think that you can say the same thing here right where this guy turns 18 and goes out and just goes to the store and buys a couple of AR-15 style guns and then uses them to kill a bunch of children. And this is not new. It's the sort of statistic that you hear after every one of these things. But I was just looking at the list of mass casualty events, shootings uh, in this country. There's a Wikipedia list. There's a million different lists out there. Since 2012, half of the mass casualty events in this country have, have happened. In the last 10 years... Basically, if you go back to like 1950 to 2022, so that's 72 years, in the last 10 years, half of the top 20 have happened, okay? Oh, so, well, okay. So, so there's that. And there's the fact that since Aurora, so the, the Dark Knight Rises. guy who goes into the movie theater and, and shoots a bunch of people up there at the, at the Batman movie, they've all been with semi-automatic assault rifle guns uh and that's aurora san bernardino uh, marjorie stoneman douglas uh uvalde this past week el paso sutherland springs sandy hook orlando vegas all of them have been done with these ar-15 style guns and uh the only big one that was not done with the ar-15 style gun was virginia tech that guy managed to do his damage with uh, semi-automatic pistols and, and and the AME church one nine like the, the where you walk into Bible church. study Dylan yeah just, so that guy didn't have an AR he only had a pistol is that right he just yeah just shot him up because he you could kind of see the video of him entering the church and you can kind of make out like a gun a regular gun but not like one of those AR types he didn't have a long gun anyway at least that's what I remember there had been so many of these things yeah, and well, that's only. I think the reason that doesn't show up in my list here is because that that was merely nine people. <laughs> so. Wow! So the the standard is higher than nine I think deaths. It's Ten. Aurora was twelve. Well, yeah, but it, it, I thought the mass whatever. The fact that that like guy only killed twelve people in that theater is okay. it, like a it's a miracle. That's what that is. Right. Well, and and the reason that I bring up the 
AR thing is because it seems it seems like we're just settled now. Like there's there's an element of there's no point in having the conversation as to whether or not to ban the AR-15, that the, the people on the other side of this argument have just won and that there's no reason to have the conversation. And I don't understand why that is considered settled. I don't know why we've just given up on the idea of banning this particular weapon. Oh, the Second Amendment. And it's not for any reason. I'm not making a, a, a rational or logical uh, case here. I'm simply pointing at the fact that at these mass casualty events, this is the weapon of choice. And it's yeah. a combination of things. It's it's in part, yes, no doubt, that it is a murder machine that is easy to wield and it's fucking scary and, and it does a lot of the thing that you want to do if your goal is to kill a lot of people. But to be fair, semi-automatic handguns uh, similarly do the same thing, right? They, they don't fire right. any at, a, at any greater rate than an AR-15 would. You'd still have to pull the trigger once to get one bullet to come out every single time. And that's assuming you're not using the, the bump stock like the guy in Vegas did, uh, which we couldn't even get that little piece of goofy technology uh, stopped from production and sale. But the, the reason that we should... Uh, I guess reinvigorate the conversation around banning the AR-15, which seems to be a dead one, is simply because of the cultural cachet that the gun has, the, the way that it lives in the imagination of these people who decide that they're going to do this sort of thing. There's something about it. And I don't want to make it into some sort of like uh, kids in their video games or the, the Matrix did this or Maryland, like whatever. But I, I think it would be foolish to ignore the totemic power of this particular weapon on the minds of the people who elect to do this. Because it is the absolute weapon of choice if you want to inflict mass death upon people. Right. Now – Full disclosure, I don't know much about guns, uh, but, you know, there's that expression, opportunity makes the thief. Uh, I, I do wonder, in this uh, situation, is it like the availability of guns is what's causing people to have access to them and then to use them in whatever ways they want to use them, it's including the, shooting up a, a bunch of people? could be the other possible reason? Right. I know but, that I can be overly pragmatic and simplifying everything sometimes, but like, yeah. I can't, I don't get how it's not that that's it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Well, the answer is because there are tens of millions of these weapons across the country and a vanishingly small percentage of people use them to do the thing that we're all so upset about, right? Right, but... The reason why I present that is like, let's say I just became deranged, right? And I, you know, I hear of all these other shootings and I want to be one of these shooters, right? And so every time they do it, they use that weapon. And so I go seek out weapons and just kind of like branding, like that's top of mind. Why do right, that's exactly spend the, all this the money? The exact point on, that I'm making here is that this gun what? is now branded in a way that makes it more likely to be used in these scenarios going forward. And, and is it money too? How much like the you said that you can do similar damage with other types of weapons. Are those other similar damaged weapons cost more cost more? Well, uh, so so when you, you say you can do similar damage, that's true, but you there's a 60 minutes piece that they reran this this past Sunday. Yeah, I saw that. Where that the, they they'd run a few years ago where they show you the difference between a, a nine millimeter bullet fired out of a, a handgun versus a bullet fired out of one of these AR-15 style 
guns. And they come out of the rifle at three times the speed of sound. They come, they come out much fast. The bullets come out faster than they do out of a, a your standard hand, your standard Glock or whatever. And they also cause more damage to the surrounding tissue. And that's not even with like, uh, you know, exploding rounds or whatever the fuck. That's that's before you get into like these particular bullets that are designed to explode organs upon impact, right? right. Uh, they do that anyway. And so when you see like what happened in uh, the New York City subway last month or whenever that was, and a guy is firing a handgun wildly and shoots 10 people and nobody dies, yeah. like if that same guy had shot those same 10 people but with a weapon that shoots bullets at at, at you know three times faster and does that much more internal tissue damage and that much more internal organ damage and causes that much more bleeding then who knows how many of those nine or ten people who were shot would have lived whereas now you have all of them living right right and there's no less there's no infringement upon your your rights as an american as a, as a as somebody with a, a right to defend your your life and your property with with a gun if you can't buy one of these other things, which well, are but right, that's and that's the thing that the people—it's maybe the only not annoying stance that Michael Moore takes in Bowling for Columbine, where like as long as you're going, because okay, why do we have the Second Amendment so that you can? overthrow the government if need be right it's not the only reason you have to you have to no but that is that is now a, it, so that's become this sort of it it it's a very effective meme among many many people right where the, the, there's this idea especially like post waco post some of the the excesses of the atf in the 90s yeah where this became a thing where like we need to be worried about the fact that the government's going to come onto our compound or whatever and we need to be able to fight back and I think that that has done a great deal of damage. Like I'm that, say, no, that's it done, has. That's done more to sell guns over the last thirty years than probably anything. But if that's why it's the Second but Amendment, it's not, so that, what I'm saying is that that is an excuse grafted onto the Second Amendment by uh, people largely because of okay. a couple of terrible anecdotes in the '90s, combined with this like fucking survivalist fantasy that they that they harbor. And like that's not the like the, that. the reason that the Second Amendment exists is not so that we can overthrow a tyrannical United States government. That's like a side benefit. It exists because in English common law, it was the fact that you were permitted to defend your life and that the gun was one way of doing that. And that there's we didn't invent the idea of defending uh, human okay. life I with a that gun. I thought that's why it was the Second Amendment, as like important as it was. It is. It, I'm not saying that it does not exist. I'm saying it is. It is part of the consideration, but. The Second Amendment is also couched in English common law, right? Like okay. You, fine. And to have militias and so to stand if, up. Let's just pretend that that's the reason. Okay. And also knowing we can't have tanks and nukes, like that, like you have said before, sort of voids the Second Amendment. Right, except that— So then it becomes okay to say, okay, you can't have specific guns. That's all. Right, except that the tanks and nukes argument, as sort of logically appealing as it is, that you can't, that we're going to limit the sorts of weapons that civilians are allowed to have, as opposed to what the military or, or government is allowed to have, tends to fall apart because you don't need 
tanks and nukes to make such a stink that the government doesn't want to bother you anymore, right? <laughs> that you don't. That, yeah, I mean, but that, that that same thing could be true of assault rifles if we just let it be. Right, but what I'm saying is like the fact that the Waco people had a stash of weaponry that could not compete with what the ATF and the FBI were bringing to bear, and certainly wouldn't compete if they decided to bring in fucking armored armored personnel carriers and and tanks and that sort of thing as well. But they did have enough of an arsenal to make it very unappealing for the government to go in and have to shoot them all up, right? I am certainly amenable to the idea that because the Second Amendment does not allow us to have fully automatic machine guns, that it also allows us to regulate guns in a way that we have chosen not to up to this point, right? There was an assault weapons ban for, was it 10 years? About 10 years, yeah. 1994, I think, to 2004 is when it expired. And and they let it expire, right, instead of... Right, it yeah. just it had a sunset clause, and rather than renew it, they just let it go away. And there's been an uptick in mass shootings, specifically with these AR-style weapons uh, ever since. I don't know. Abe, is it worth... Is it... Does it accomplish anything? Is it worth? Is it worth the squeeze, the juice that you get from banning AR-15s? Because at this point, you're going up against people who are going to immediately insist that this is the first step down a slippery slope to confiscation of all private arms. Right. Right. That is that is their that is the fundamental thing keeping every single little bit of even incremental legislation from getting passed in this country is the insistence by not just the NRA, like we can blame the NRA, but the NRA is a fucking worthless, poorly run organization these days that exists basically just to hand out letter grades to various politicians. The NRA, that that mindset is represented in tens and tens of millions of Americans, right? There are literally tens and tens of millions of Americans who believe that any little bit of gun regulation is the first step down the slippery slope towards uh, outlawing all guns and confiscation of current arms by the federal government. Right. And I don't know how you change that fucking mindset. And so is it is it worth and, – and, and by the way, I do know how you change that fucking mindset. And it's ban the goddamn AR-15 yeah, you just and, fucking do and it show anyway. that you get to keep all your fucking shotguns and your handguns and you do right. a buyback program for the rest of them, right? Like I, I just right. – that is how you I, prove I do it. Do it anyway is how you do it. Right, but you, you do need some buy-in from the the population. I, the way I, I do wonder if it would be helpful to change the framing of the conversation because you can kind of tell by the arguments raised on the side uh, that are for basically all access to these kind of guns, unlimited access, uh, is that they always go to the they're going to take your guns, right? It's never like any uh, arguments about the specific stuff. Because, I mean, I guess you could say any one thing is not going to stop every incident, right? And no one expects that to be the case. But if the conversation was changed from, look, guns are a plenty in this country. It's a gun culture. What are you going to do, right? Not much you can do about that because I think it would be like the drugs uh, uh, that are in this country. You, you can't just get rid of all of them, right? So, like... Right. Could you say our main mission is to mitigate the harm, right? And these kind of weapons that you can cause so much damage in such a small amount of time, I think it's the Dayton shooting 
there was like a shooting where there were cops like feet away from where the person shot like and killed five people like in 30 seconds. Right. I don't know if I have the number of dead right, but they engaged them within 30 seconds and they were able to kill so many people because the type of weapon used, and I think it was one of these long guns again, is that it causes so much damage it limits the opportunity for first rep- responders or eventual responders to, to do anything. It limits the opportunity for the people to react like, oh, shit, there's someone shooting. Let me seek right. cover, and I, right? Because- I, and I'm not somebody who's trained in, like, close combat or anything like that. But in my head, somebody who's standing there holding a rifle into, like, essentially against their belly, and you only have to extend your arm out, like, and a foot to hold the barrel of this fucking thing, right? And right. you can just fucking turn and spray the room is different right. than when you have to like just hold your arm up and, right. and pretend there's a gun in your hand. Now you've created fast. you've created three feet of distance between you right. and that gun, which right. allows anybody who's anywhere close to fucking jump on you and do something about the problem, right? Like the appeal of this gun is the ability to murder many, many people yes. very, very yeah. quickly. And it doesn't right. matter how rapidly the bullets are coming. Like the, the rate of fire, yes, it's consequential. But be, like the rate of fire between a, a Glock handgun and, and an AR-15 style is going to be the same. But the amount of damage that you can do and the extent to which you are not as vulnerable to being tackled by somebody because of the way that you're just just because of the way that you're holding the gun right. changes the, the scenario. Right. So like if the argument is presented in such a way to say like, look, people can use their cars and drive at high rates of speed and kill somebody. But in like neighborhoods and like certain communities and certain locations have like speed bumps and other things that can mitigate your opportunity to cause more mayhem and more damage. And so could we not do something similar to where we can have road bumps along the way with like limiting the magazine sizes and other measures i think you would need to have like so many different to fucking 25 yeah age limits and and that's the thing yeah age limits so like if you took these uh ideas and you applied it to every situation there will be some were who are they were so committed uh, and so planned this ahead of time that there wasn't much you can do the las vegas one no no law would have prevented that, that person just came out of nowhere and killed a bunch of people right but people are emotional types and one little thing will trigger them to cause more things so like is it possible that these bumps in the road like raising the age limit to 21 instead of 18 or to 25 instead of 18 or whatever would it have prevented this latest shooting in uvalde maybe maybe not but like is it worth is the trade-off worth that possibility that these kids would have finished out their school and lived on the rest of their lives right well, like, and that's is it the problem worth- is that to some people no not worth it right but is that no because I don't trust your motivations, that this is one step in a series of steps that you're planning because the presentation is always the end goal is total ban, right? And so if the argument is that we are trying to raise the chances for people to survive, as many people, and to mitigate the harm that can be done, like uh, Bob alluded to that 60-minute special where like a conventional bullet causes damage, but it doesn't cause the amount of damage that this type of uh, bullet that's used in the AR-15 and similar weapons causes. I'm sure a few more people died because of that type of weapon was used versus if they just used a regular handgun and killed six people, which would have still been a tragedy. But like, we're basically 
working from a position of weakness because the guns are plentiful and we can try to limit the damage. And is it worth pursuing that? Because it seems like right now there's a, a handful of people who are against any sort of movement, but it's presented with the argument that that's not where they're going to stop. But if we were to stop in that level of, of uh, basically mitigation, would you have a lot more support? Because I think a lot of the soft numbers where they're like 80% believe in this and that, I think it's that line of let's try to do some sensible things like that, raise the age, limit the magazine sizes. If somebody was motivated enough, they could do their own whatever and kill a lot of people. But if it prevents one person from dying, it's not worth it. It's not a big change in your life to to make these minor changes. It's also like you can't overstate the amount that the spectacle of these things matters, even as extraordinarily rare events, right? That even even though we can name a few over the last few years, we're still only talking about, I mean, so there's Uvalde, there's Marjorie Stoneman uh, in in Florida, Mm -hmm. and then there's Sandy Hook. And then, yeah, sure, there are shootings that happen at schools all the time. NPR, bizarrely, insisted earlier in the wake of this that there had been 22 school shootings this year. And I went like, wait, excuse me? (laughs) But the 22 that they're talking about is like a shot was fired in a parking lot after a football game on a school campus, right? Like, so if you, if you start trying to loop all of these things in together and you start talking about gun death in America and, and, and the problem of 400 million guns in this country and all of that, and you try to tie that, it makes it way too easy to dismiss these as merely outlier cases that we shouldn't be willing to upend our entire system to try to solve as horrific as it is to sort of endure as a, right. as a as a as a public in terms of the spectacle of the thing right because it is right. it's fucking it's un ungoddamn bearable when we have to deal with these things and like we shouldn't have to and it, and it, and it's fucked up that it's so much worse when something like this happens than just the everyday constancy of people right. dying by handguns in this country which they do 60% of gun deaths in this country are the, are the result of a handgun right like right. we're not and how but, much how many of those are of suicide, suicide? Yeah, the majority of them, I think, are suicides. But, so that's what. So again, going back to the availability of guns, like I don't know much about suicide, but I imagine sometimes people in in the spur of the moment they feel some kind of way, and the gun is there, and they kill themselves. If the house did, their household did not have a gun, maybe they'll I don't know stab themselves or take some drugs or do some other thing. No, the, the presence of the presence of the gun absolutely has because it's it's so immediate and it's right. so, there, there's no planning necessary. You right. have the thing in the shoebox in the closet or you keep it under the bed or whatever. You just right. get it out and you do yeah. the thing and it's done. You don't and have to done. like there's no amount of thinking and required. And that fucking guy whoever the fuck that guy was, these Republicans with like, "Oh, it's mental health that's the problem." Right. Like, "Okay, <laughs> Okay. Oh, it's the it's the internet that's the problem. Okay, right. which of these things would you like to regulate? Right. None of them. Right. Cool. Right. Cool. And Good. Also, I Lots going to change. It, Thanks. I always find that to be a weird argument. It's like you're saying in a country with all of these mental health issues, you would want to then add fuel to that fire by just having unfettered access to any kind of weapon. Like, how does that resolve right. this anything? Isn't, this isn't a guns issue. This is a family values it's issue. A, yeah. And if we just had more family values as, as the bedrock in this country, like it, it's fucking Ron Johnson who said earlier this week or last week that 
no matter what we do, background checks, we could we could have the best background check system imaginable. We could all of these rules and regulations and people would still fall through the cracks and the the bad guys would still get guns. And that's why you need good guys with guns like, hey, and, and then his 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 proactive solution is uh, reinstilling family values and, and fathers in households and that sort of thing. It's like, do you really like in what fucking while taking away wild abortion, utopia? What yeah. bizarre future utopia are you imagining that no human being slips through the cracks of a society that is sufficiently suffice with family values that it makes Ron Johnson happy, right? Like, right. does he does he imagine that humans are so perfectible that if we just have a 1950s leave it to beaver sort of world that there won't be any fucking psychopaths made? Like, right. Also, how is that the like? You don't think there are going to be cracks in that society that that require some sort of patching? Also, is was that the solution pursued by all of these other countries that seem to have the gun violence thing more under control than we do? Like that's the they, thing; they, they it's did... hard to point uh, to pinpoint it because all those other civilized countries that don't have the gun violence that we have also weirdly fund health. It's weird. Right. They yeah. they also like keep track of shit on people that we would not have a stomach for here. Right. It so seems like, like you the... can't, it's not just that they've banned whatever guns that they've banned. It's that they've right. done other things too that we right. refuse to do here. Well, right. They also don't have one and a third guns for every they citizen. They also don't have a right. lot of guns. Right. It's, That's it's just the, the elephant easiest in the room. way. Right. Yeah. Cheapest. Do you think the juice is worth the squeeze on the banning AR-15s? Yeah. I, I would... Push. I would constantly push to make recommend. Basically, I mean, we've had so many incidents of this to to see to find opportunities in each incident to where something could have prevented it, and then pass laws that will, like I said, help with that. It's not going to solve everything, but you have to try because what is the current position? I mean, this. I mean, they're all tragic. Anytime this happens, I don't care if it's a grocery store. I mean, it's worse. I think at a school, especially elementary school. But anytime a bunch of people just get killed. It's a tragedy, but what made this worse is that everything was a failure. Like, this person was able to just waltz into this school, shoot up a bunch of people. The first the, the law enforcement just, again, we don't have the full picture of what happened, but there was a period of time where there was no act, action on their part, and who knows how many more people died. This happened in the state of Texas with all that bravado and all that nonsense. Where was that? With the stupid hats and everything. Where's all this machismo like they're just sitting on your hand when, when kids are getting shot all right? right so like what is the answer then like let's say you're oh my god they're trying to take your guns but like let's say there weren't anybody on that side it was everybody that was like a second amendment loving person you go to sleep with your guns right and that's the entirety of america but you still have all these shootings like what would be the answer if you can assure yourself that there was no chance that all your guns would be confiscated like what solutions would you come up with if there wasn't that threat, even though I think it's an imaginary threat in this world. But let's say we just 100% said, you know, personal guns and, all, you know, the regular stuff is fine, but we're just trying to limit this kind of harm. Like, I could envision a scenario where they would come up with a few things they could do, like raising the age limit or doing some other things, you know. But because this is constantly pushed, like they're trying to take your guns, they're trying to take your guns, right. that people are just going to be against any sort of solution. But, like, 
Right, and then you they can't the just do nothing. Fucking refrain about how any gun law just impinges upon lawful gun owners and, and people who follow the law anyway, and it only makes it on, the only people that it impacts are law-abiding citizens, and that people who are going to break the law to commit homicides aren't going to worry about breaking the law to acquire the weapons required. If Which, that were of course, true, why have any of these other laws? I mean, what, right. why do we have? Why, why have laws <laughs> right. at all? I mean, well, and like that's true when you're talking about, like you said, the like lots of real bad gun deaths, like the inner right. city gun violence. Those are mostly illegally acquired guns. I think I made that Correct. up. Correct. Yes. But like these events, like all you ever read is like, oh, they just went and bought them. No big deal. Right. I mean, there are opportunities to improve our current posture, and it doesn't make sense not to pursue those opportunities. Uh, it doesn't have to get any more complicated than that. Right. To say nothing of the fact that if you're actually going to fix the culture and you're going to do it from some sort of command and control central way of – like what is Ron Johnson and Ted Cruz talking about when they say we need to fix the culture? That's and what we need I to keep fix saying. The family like, values. They don't want to regulate the internet. They don't want to regulate anything. But they want to somehow fix things. I think with Jesus, I think what they want to fix it with is Jesus. Right. The point yeah. being is that they would deny any anything like what I would recommend if we're trying to remake the culture around a more sort of community-based thing rather than this insistence on the everyman. The individual. Individual. Cult of the individual, which is the only true horseshoe theory, I think, left out there right now is this the cult of the individual on the absolutely insane right is the exact same thing as the cult of the individual on the absolutely insane left where you can just be whoever the fuck you want to be according to your own personal dictate uh, and that and none of the strictures of hundreds of thousands of years of culture to say nothing of biology uh, have any impact on that whatsoever right you can cultivate your own truth and that's that right but like if i'm going to remake the culture in the way that ron johnson or ted cruz wants me to or suggest that we can in some way. The only thing that I can think to do is enormous government programs, yep. like, uh, for example, a national conscri uh, conscription of everybody from the age of eighteen to twenty-one, or, or two years or something after high school, where you say you're going to go to work for the fucking federal government, and you might uh, stay in your own community, you might go to some other community. But the bottom line is that you're going to do two years of service, and that might be military if you so choose. It might be any any number of a million different community service type things. We need a lot of elder care uh, yeah. moving forward in this country. So from 18 to 20, we're going to have a whole crew of well-trained nurse technician type individuals who are going to take care of our old people as, as they all start dying off over the next 30 or 40 years. Or like not necessarily forcing people to stay in unhappy marriages, but like... It helps to have a parent at home all the time. So, like, make sure people don't need to have both of their parents work two jobs so that the kids can, like, right, the, have loving family around. Right. Well, the point being that Ted Cruz would encourage that and, and Ron Johnson but would encourage— how? With money? Would he encourage it with government money or with Jesus? No, but there's also— With, with words. <laughs> right. The point being that, like, my idea for a national— conscriptive service where fresh out of high school every single citizen in the country has to serve two years and yeah maybe it's 
if you want to join the military, great, do that as as your form of service. But it's not like we can't use the the labor. We it's not like we couldn't figure out what to do with all of these people. And right. maybe for every year of service that you give to the country, you get a year of uh, college tuition paid afterwards. Something right. along those lines, right? Yeah, if you tied it that way, you can get some traction there. If you're going to remake the culture, you need enormous goddamn programs that reprogram people as to how they want to interact with their communities. And the way to do that is through mass mobilization of government. And I don't know but any other way to do it. I, <laughs> they don't I, I think, believe in that. Right. I, I think you're right, Bob. But whenever I hear these uh, solutions, uh, quote unquote, by, uh, by some uh, on the right – I always just think that it's just a stand-in for I don't want to do anything at all. But that's not politically acceptable. Right. They to should say, just live the way that I choose to live is what right. he's but saying. But no, what I'm saying is the, the – the, the, what about this? What about that? That's just like – I'm just saying that. But the, right, the, the actual thing is we don't want to do anything because there's nothing backing uh, any of these – uh, mental health, many many of the solutions that they're offering, if they were sincere, if they were making it in good faith, would mean we need more government resources, more government involvement, and they would never want that either, right? right. So, like, the governor of Texas do- could expand Medicaid tomorrow if he so right. choose, and and right. allow that level of mental health services to the most desperate in their state for it. And but he's not there, going to do that. If, I don't, I didn't look at a, at a second source, but wasn't there some story floating around that? Uh, the governor of Texas diverted some funds, uh, some of which could have gone towards mental health services in, in order to do some political thing, like uh, the border or like something with immigration. Like there was some sort of diverting of funds. I don't know if I, I hadn't seen that particular story, but he has dispatched the Texas National Guard to the border to like pointlessly harass people. And okay. because they can't actually yeah. arrest anybody that they believe to be. Right. An illegal border crosser, they can just alert the border patrol and have right. them do something about it. But the, I, I guess the follow-up, anytime these uh, politicians, the follow-up should be, so th- does that mean that you're committing to more services provided by the government, more resources? Because like, I, I would imagine the answer would be uh, no comment or they'll circle back to, I don't know, CRT or some random thing. But I can't imagine that the answer would be yes. Right. And so if no, it's you, they'll do. It's what Bob said when Trump got in the in the his inauguration with his American carnage. Car- yeah. It's like, let me show you how well this doesn't work when I don't let it work. Right. And I'll prove to you that government can't do anything by not letting it. Right. Yeah. I mean, the ineffectiveness of government has been the the entire Republican ethos for as long as we've been alive. And they certainly these days do everything to prove that there's nothing that government can do, unless now you start getting into like the Hollies and the and the DeSantis's, who are starting to move back in the other direction, and it's just as it's just as unappealing when they start uh, trying to wield uh, the power of the state to those weird cultural ends. Do you think that this incident? I mean, they're all had the potential to be watershed events. I mean, the what happened in uh, Connecticut was supposed to be that. But do you think anything has shifted since the last shooting 10 days prior? No, I think Chuck Schumer then allowed them all to go on vacation uh, Im- immediately after this happened. Because Chuck Schumer is, whatever else he is, he's fucking spectacularly bad at his job. Right. If if you take his job to be uh, to 
cash in, to cravenly cash in on this awful tragedy right. to actually get something pushed through the Senate and to or, or to force people to take a stand one way or another on, on an assault weapons ban or something like that? Or even the bare minimum of, of passing a, a more robust background check law, even just as a, as a pointless gesture, as a, as a virtue signal, right? The complete yeah. unwillingness and inability to do that and then to just let everybody fucking leave town the next day and go on a two-week vacation. Just I wonder if, if there's an unspoken thing, although I could, I could remember McConnell doing away with any sort of like scheduled hiatuses, right? Whenever it was convenient for his side, right? Yeah. Uh, so I, I and, and so if if that's not a hurdle, if that's some unspoken thing, like don't fuck with my vacations or whatever, right? At the Senate, what other explanation would there be other than just bad judgment? And I don't even if Schumer himself exercises bad judgment when it comes to these moments, he has a staff. No one's like, hey man, what the fuck? Like let's push here. Yeah, because the their immediate pivot was to November. They thought that this would somehow be something that they can campaign on in November. To what end? Because you're not going right. to get sixty. Like you're, yeah, you're that, not. Yeah. You're going to tell us to go vote. The Democrats aren't going to get a sixty seat majority in the yeah, no, in the yeah, Senate. That, that, that's they'll be lucky to way. hang. They'll be extraordinarily lucky to hang on to fifty. There's a right. good chance that Herschel Walker is going to be the next <laughs> senator from the state of Georgia. Right. Thanks to Mitch McConnell and Donald Trump working together to endorse Herschel Walker. Right. Who can't string four words together that make any goddamn sense. <laughs> he can run the ball, though. Obviously, after Sandy Hook, I thought that something would get done. And then there's, now there's the cliche about that, which is that if we were unable to do anything after the slaughter of a classroom of kindergartners and their teachers... Right. Like if that wasn't enough to do anything, then we have, in fact, decided as a culture that we're not going to do anything. And this this one will just will prove that out. And and in a sick way, the incompetence of the police on the scene will only contribute to the feeling that there's no reason to do anything because the people who believe in gun rights will be able to say, there were a, a long series of cascading failures on the ground that could have s- stopped this from being what it ended up being at any point along the way. The first responders should have broken through the door the moment that he locked it and killed the guy as quickly as possible, right? You right. were three at, at first, you were three armed police officers running down the hallway after this guy, and he gets into a classroom and locks the door. And you don't want to further engage because he's returning fire? Like, I mean, again, you immediately go to that fucking, that place of pointless yelling, righteous anger and outrage because, like, what what the fuck were they doing? Right. But there's got to be a way to understand this not strictly as a failure of the people who were there uh, to do their jobs, but but a, a, a broader failure. Uh, that that relates to the choices that we've made around guns in this country and the, and the choices that we continue to make over and over again. Right. Hopefully they don't uh, – the Schumers and the like don't combine too many things into one law. Just have standalone pieces of legislation. That way if people vote it down, they can't – they don't have that cover to say there were parts about this bill that I like, but there were some poison pills about – 
something that encroached on some fundamental blah, 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 right? Like if you just have standalone background check on its own, uh, age on its own, like all these other things on their own, and then live and die with that vote. You know, if the people shoot it down, if somebody votes no, then they're on record saying that that specific issue, no other issue, that specific issue they're against. And, and, and I'm sure there'll be still plenty of no's, but it'll be harder to defend those uh, than when it's a comprehensive piece of legislation. And I, I, on, on the Texas front, I can envision, I don't think they're going to do this, right? So, but I, can in, I would sooner see Texas coming up with some goofy new law, right of parents to go into a violent school and pick up their kids act or something like, you know, like we're going to give the freedom to parents to just go pick up your kids if you uh, are so uh, courageous. Like right. I would sooner see that than have any sort of other more effective piece of legislation passed at the state level. Yeah. I do think that it's perfectly rational to raise the age of purchase to 21. I don't think that 18-year-old children should be having these things. And and when you say, but well, if you're, you're old enough to serve, well, you spent three months in basic training learning how to use the to fucking thing. Too. To say nothing of the fact, and it's not just the training of how to handle the weapon, it's the inculcation, it's the fucking brainwashing that goes on right. <laughs> when you join the military that right. says you're a part of this fucking team. The entire... All of basic training is just about creating that sense of brotherhood and creating a, a, a feeling of camaraderie among the, the people in the room. Like you follow the fucking orders and you watch out for your brother behind you. That's the entire fucking thing. And, right. and yeah, the stupid push-ups and the this is my rifle stuff is just a, a function of that. Right. I see no reason why you can't raise the age and I see no reason why you can't ban I, – I, I just do not see the Second Amendment objection to – Banning assault rifles and then instituting a buyback program. Uh, I, I I just Didn't don't. Canada literally just do it. I don't know, but I, I I'm, I'm talking today. about in terms of the Second Amendment. I don't. Yeah. I mean, who knows what this court would ultimately do with that sort of a law? But the the precedent that they're relying on right now for handguns is only from 2008. Right. Like this, yeah. this is not the, the Scalia opinion that said you have a personal right to bear a handgun essentially only goes back to 2008. And you can argue uh, the fundamentals around the Second Amendment till you're fucking blue in the face. Do you think that, so this is now completely outside the realm of practicality? This point has been made by former justices of the Supreme Court. This point has been made by the New York Times columnist uh, Brett Stevens as recently as a couple of years ago, I think that the only way to rationally deal with our gun problem in this country is to repeal the second amendment. And we can only talk about this in a strictly theoretical and, and abstract sense, because it is not something that is going to happen. We will not repeal the second amendment, but if we could, should we? No, no. why not? No. Again, this is like the prohibition law where it said, we're going to have it, enact a constitutional amendment banning whatever alcohol, like beyond a certain percent, right? And then not only did it not stop people from drinking, it caused more problems, just like when the drug laws were enacted in the 70s and then the 80s and, and on. So it did what, not if, what fix if instead anything. of instead of a prohibition amendment, what if instead you just repeal the Second Amendment, you say there is no fundamental constitutional right to bear arms 
However, there is similarly no... I don't have a right to have a car either. There's no constitutional provision that bans you from having a gun. And that the states can make whatever regulations they see fit in terms of who can and cannot possess these things. What What is it about the gun that makes it so elemental that it has to be a protected right in the Constitution of the United States? Right. But So you're saying that in the current environment where Raising the age by three years is a big right. I'm saying this task, is a right? purely abstract and theoretical saying conversation. Right. right, but what I'm saying is like it would, it would be met with uh, re- the resistance that was met with the, the two other examples, like with the alcohol experiment that failed and the drug war that continues to fail. Right, where you had one problem and now you have three problems. Right, so if you want to add to the problems, you, you you'll just make a lot more. Well, but no, right. but well, wait, then, then we then then. then but we, the point is that we cannot be at this impasse, right? So, so part, part of the problem is that we just can't fucking deal with anything now, right? Arguably in part because of the trumpeting, but the, the trumpeting, of course, is just a, a symptom of this. But like when the pandemic happened, it happened at, at a worst possible time for America to have to endure this, right? We are right. not currently equipped as a high-functioning society to handle any of this shit. We don't make laws anymore of any consequence, right? right? We, we don't pass legislation that matters at all. We, do, we, do, we fiddle around the edges and we fight these culture war battles and we don't actually fucking do anything in this country. Right. We just I mean, the last- no no longer equipped to do it. And is that just the bottom line? Are we at such an impasse that raising the minimum age to buy a weapon of war is utterly unthinkable? Are we at such an impasse that the idea of banning a weapon or or ceasing the sale of more weapons and, and instituting a buyback program, not even necessarily banning it, just simply saying we're not going to manufacture and sell these to a civilian population anymore, and further, we will buy them back from you at, at triple the cost, right? Like right. if you paid $1,500 for it, we will give you a tax credit for 4500 goddamn dollars this year if you turn that weapon in, right? right. So, so something along those lines. If that is a bridge too far, anything is a bridge too far, then right. – what the fuck are we doing? No, that's true. Yeah, it, could, it, it does seem like it's all hopeless. But I, I, I would argue that there are a lot of things that are on the table that you can get some consensus on. But the prospect of the getting rid of the Second Amendment or any move towards that, like that's the, 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 the prospect of that is preventing people from agreeing to the more agreeable uh, measures that people suggest. So like I think – most, if not all, laws are basically they hinge on voluntary compliance, right? Law enforcement, the enforcing of the law is basically like the last mile. Like when you're have a piece of mail delivered, the last mile is like the most expensive. The last mile you can enforce through law enforcement. But if you have non-compliance that's a sizable amount, law enforcement is ill-equipped to deal with that. And that's what happens when you have laws that people don't agree with, you know. Again, okay, going but so back is, to, is, the, is the banning of the sale and manufacture of assault rifles something that you think is... No, it, 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 that, that is a gettable, doable thing, but it has to be presented in, in, in the right way because when you say, well, just throwing ideas, what do we get rid of the Second Amendment, people will think you're, that's the ultimate goal. So if I concede on this point that I would be okay with because, the you know, that causes a lot more harm than it's worth, and that's a concession that most people would agree with. But not if it's just one 
step of a larger plot, just like with what's happening with abortion. They, they don't want 15 weeks or six weeks. They want a total ban of abortion. So they will think that okay, that's but what people at, at want. Some point, at some point, you cannot allow yourself to be playing by the rules of the paranoid fanaticists in the room, right? Not, like, not as, paranoid, but you need, you need voluntary compliance. You need a very high number of people to voluntarily comply because you don't have the resources to enforce things that people right, don't and, agree. And that's the thing. The only thing that I care about, and I think the thing that we should be primarily caring about in this moment, as awful as the as the constant drumbeat of of gun death in this country is, right? And and by even if we stopped all mass killings where there are are more than six victims or whatever, however you want to frame it, right? You just end mass murder somehow, just magically. You've barely put a uh, you've barely put your finger in the dike of a dam that's about to break in terms of gun violence, right? You've barely done anything to stem the tide of gun death in America by stopping all mass killings. It's just, that's just true. But at the same time, it's also true that it is an unbearable thing for our society to have to bear in a totemic sort of way, in a cultural way. The weight of it is too much when there are Tens or, or dozens of people being killed all at once, often children, in, in places where they're supposed to be safe, in places where they're just with their friends. That is not a cost that we can bear existentially. Yes. Not, not in terms of just your, the fucking guy down the street uh, or the veteran shot himself in the fucking dome because he had a bad day, right? Like, right. We, that, that's, that's, that's human stuff. Like, we, right. can, we can sort of deal with that, and individuals have to deal with that. And yeah, there should be more done to prevent that sort of thing. Right. But we cannot, we, as a culture, we cannot bear this any longer. We're no, we, we do not have the backbone to bear it collectively because the collective functionally no longer exists. There are three countries here. There's the Republicans, there's the liberals, and there's everybody the fuck else. And right. we no longer function as a collective cohesive whole, so we cannot bear this sort of trauma any longer. Right. I would say that we should not bear it. We're obviously bearing it, right? I mean, and basically the inaction, and it didn't take many to to cause this impasse. So it's not like it's a 50-50 thing. I don't think it is. But the machinations of government or just the, just the different rules that are there prov- allow a small group of people to create obstacles. And, and, and you can't get certain things passed because there are you know, two senators in some random state, right? But again, I, I think just don't bite off more than you can chew and try to pass what you can when you yes. can at all times. I think you're right about that. I feel like, and maybe it's just because of like who I am and what I've been doing, I feel like there's a lot less we should just ban all guns talk yeah. than 20 years ago or it's so. Beca- it's because the conversation has ended. Like, yeah, we, it's we've just seated, that's over. We've seeded so that ground. So now I feel like an incremental step could be made because, I mean, you know, they keep saying 80% of people are okay with some gun reform. And I think that if you take the people who have always been like anti-gun, they'll take what they can get at this point. This is all, so, so, but there's also an extent to which like the, the, the squishiness of polls, like we, like, fuck it. What are we talking about with polls? Like who, who fucking cares? We don't have to poll this issue 
there were 20 fucking kids who were murdered right. in a classroom because some 18-year-old went out and bought this at a store like it was a loaf of fucking bread. Like, right. what are we talking about? Yeah. Right. You can just not do that anymore. Right. And, and, and there's no infringement on any law-abiding citizen's rights because you don't have the right to fucking get your rocks off with a particular sort of gun. You have a right to own a weapon that can protect you in your house, but you don't have a right to whatever these fucking assholes can dream up in the marketing department like right. it's just it's just not true so right. get the fuck out of here and i'm allowing myself to do the thing that i started off the show <laughs> saying i thought was fucking pointless and worthless <laughs> which is the white man outrage thing but like uh, well you can't help being two of those things yeah yeah it's just i i don't know Anybody who looks at Ted Cruz and Ron Johnson and Abbott and, and any of these other assholes talking this week about how we just need to focus on mental health and family values and all of this shit and that there's any gun regulation is just another gun regulation against a law-abiding citizen. How do these cocksuckers sleep at night? I, I, I have no idea. And the only way that they sleep at night is because the, the amount of seething hatred that they know exists for the other side so that all that matters is pissing off the other side right. and never giving an inch to the other side. Yeah, that, that seems to be what's powering a lot of these politicians. You know, there are a lot of feckless responses to these kind of incidents, and there's never any cost that they pay for saying just stupid Nonsense, right? Because, hey, that person may be imperfect and kind of an idiot and all the other criticisms, but he hates who I hate, and that's good enough for me. Is there anything else about this, any other avenue that we haven't gone down in terms of this story? I mean, obviously, we could talk about it. We could literally talk about this all night and then again next week and and on forever probably. Uh, no, 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 nothing. I mean, yeah, you're right. We can. I, I would just like to once the story settles, I would like to read the sequence of events and the, because. <laughs> well, the, the still, current timeline, the the Times, New York Times currently has a scroll through timeline that you can do, and a lot of it is just, you know, the bulk of it is just. It is now twelve eighteen p.m. Fifty five minutes since blah blah blah, like that sort of thing, but. The rundown of the 911 calls are fucking devastating. Like the, yeah. the fact that there's a – there are – the same girl hiding under a desk uh, calls 911 four times and is like, when are the police coming? We're locked in this classroom. You can – there are still shots that are coming from inside the classroom at that point and there are 19 police officers outside the door and it's just – it is just completely inexcusable that that was a thing that happened to that person. And we don't know how many children, additional children died that wouldn't have died if those first three cops and, and maybe two of them get killed by this asshole. Right. Yeah. But he's only one and they were three and they are lifelong trained professionals. And he's a fucking 18 year old psychotic who's probably only shot a gun half a dozen times in his life. If that up to this point. All right. I have this annoying Facebook comment that I can read that you don't have to leave in the show. Go for but it. But it's just like the whole problem. Some fucking guy says, the thing is, who would implement the requirements? And that would be this shitty government that is good at very little and terrible at a whole lot of things. The authorities knew about this Uvalde shooter, San Bernardino terrorist, New York shooter threatened to shoot up his school, the Orlando nightclub shooting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
The Parkland High School shooter had 50 interactions with local authorities, and his threats of mass shooting and mental instability had all been reported to local, state, and federal agencies, and they did nothing. I agree something must be done. Just don't believe for half a second we can trust this government to get anything remotely right. It's like, cool. Well, also, there's, there's no this government in that formulation. Right. It's a made-up thing. What, we're that's talking what about, these fucking people are like. I know, but we're talking about 20 different localities. And you know what's really fucking hard? Is to tell somebody uh, that they're so fucked up that they belong in a mental institution and I'm going to put you there against your will. And <laughs> it'll cost you a lifetime right, of It's an money. incredibly like high bar. life and, savings. And as uh, progressive and smart as we've gotten with psychology in the last uh, 75 years or what have you, maybe it wasn't a great idea in retrospect to completely dismantle uh, a system of uh, mental health facilities in this country that simply no longer exist. That that all of these people who could benefit from, yeah, what were obviously problematic, uh, a problematic system of asylums and and mental health facilities in this country. Weren't there horror stories coming out of those? Uh, of in, course, but yeah, is, is the answer funded. to just let them rot on the no, fucking street? Obviously, is, right. is the they answer close them instead of fixing them? They close them. Right. Is right. the answer that all of the like the vast majority of mental health money that gets spent in this country gets spent in local jails? Like, right. is that the right response? Right. I mean, this is not exactly related, but uh, there's this a piece of legislation that's coming up in the state of Tennessee uh, where. This town, I guess, did not care for all the homeless people uh, sleeping uh, everywhere, and the solution was to make it a felony to do so, like on Mm -hmm. public land, and they were going to imprison people, and, you know, imprisoning people cost money, and I think it was like 40-some-odd dollars per day per inmate. $1,500 a month, yeah. Right. And so it's like you couldn't come up with any other idea that didn't imprison people with that money that you were willing to spend, obviously, right? I mean you want to pass this law, and to enforce that means to spend this money. So like it, it, it's – I guess it's the mindset. It's just like, oh, there's a problem, and the solution is some punitive, not constructive way to fix something because it's more acceptable to spend money to imprison somebody. You can get yes votes on that, but you can't take that same money – to help in any other way, like right. prevent somebody going to prison. That is all of a sudden, these are some lean years and we don't have the money for that. But like this, have the money for this other thing. So it's like, no, it's, why should I pay to help someone? Right. Is this, I, like, touched on this in jail? I touched on this earlier in the thing about my national conscription idea, uh, which is not certainly by no means is it my idea. It's just, you know, it's, it's certainly out there. Uh, a national service thing. I think that if you combine my old philosophy professor at Georgia ran in the primary of that, of that congressional district a few cycles ago, and his primary thing that he ran on was a national jobs program where it, it guarantees anybody who wants a job with the federal government, like the federal government will, will place you in a job or otherwise give you a, give you a job. And he didn't go anywhere. He got his ass kicked, I think okay. in the primary <laughs> to say nothing of the, of the general, if you combine like a, a national service program where anybody from who graduates high school, you, you spend your next two years in some some form of national service, Peace Corps, Teach for America, like there there are a dozen. Cooking, there, yeah. cooking, you could cook. Sure, cooking, cleaning, working as a getting trained and working as a elder care, all the different things that we talked about. Combine that with a national jobs program. 
like it's just pie in the sky fucking bullshit theorizing sort of thing but something has to be done to rebuild the sense of america as a cohesive unit and i think something along those lines is is one path among among many but right but and and you can combine it with like okay so you do two years in the national service then you get two years of school but oh by the way any school that accepts these credits or whatever as because because we'll then pay for your schooling you cannot have a tuition that's higher than I don't know, 50% of what the average person who comes out of your school makes, right? right. Like you can formulate it in some way right. where if the average person walks out of your school with an undergraduate degree and only earns uh, $23,000 a year, then you're not fucking permitted to charge $60,000 a year to go to that school. Right. <laughs> not to go, like I said, not to go full like uh, big government is the solution to anything, but like a robust and powerful federal government can can give us a cohesive sense of a, of a place to the country. I mean, just look at what would twenty five year old you think of what you're saying right now? Jesus Christ! Right? Who knows? But the thing that drove a lot of the successes in this country in the twentieth century had a lot to do with like. There's no getting around it. I don't know what twenty five year old me would say about it, but. Uh, enormous government programs yeah. led to much of the economic and political success that happened in this country in the 20th century. And, yeah, and almost none of them tonight- would be passed right now, right? That's Isn't that – like people can appreciate the successes of past prog- programs, but if you put it to a vote today, like if you're like trying to do something similar – for whatever reason, I don't know if it's the crabs in a bucket mentality because, like, why the fuck are – I did things my own way and I didn't need blah, 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 so f- – like fuck that like i don't want that and 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 so your idea is great i would like there to be like pilot program somewhere like kind of a proof of concept somewhere to point to because you can already anticipate the oh bob's into this government grooming you know what are they doing for those two years there's not just you know teaching or whatever the indoctrination and blah blah Mm -hmm. other nonsense Mm -hmm. you know so you'd have to kind of like say like look we tried this here and tried different locations to kind of get some balance and say this fucking thing works. They'll Let's say it's scale not it scalable. They'll always yeah. say it's not scalable. Right. Yeah. I guess, yeah, there's always going to be impediments, but if, if you had something, I guess you would have a better chance. Okay, but like, you, come up. So it's the same thing that I was complaining about a couple of weeks ago with Biden. Like, he need, uh, we need somebody who has a fucking found, like, who has something, uh, a platform that actually suggests a belief in our ability to fucking do stuff. Right. And it's not it's not fucking Thomas Massey who today is proposing that we end the notion of gun free zones, uh, that, that, that we, we just eliminate that distinction of gun free zones. This is something that Ron Paul suggested 30 years ago. And Thomas Massey is now picking up the torch. Meaning like just gun- have people just walk around with guns? In these right. locations? That, that, that if, you know, that, like in Texas. The solution right. to the problem is eliminating the idea that anywhere is gun-free so that these psychopaths won't try to storm the gun-free places <laughs> where a disproportionate, disproportionate it, number of these things happen. What a ridiculous argument. Wasn't there a shooting at Fort Hood? I mean, like, it's such a ridiculous argument but i guess anything it's a ridiculous is argument no on answer. top of the fact that there was an armed security so officer assigned to that school right. and there were 30 cops all with guns who responded within moments to that right. school and couldn't do anything about it right it's a numbers game the more guns there are the more guns will be used and not always for good reason and what now you're gonna have crossfire. i like your idea a lot 
because I've been complaining that I think that K through 12 education should go through year 21 instead of 18. Yeah. And that's when you should go to college at 21, not at 18. Oh, you mean to have yes. like so, secondary so school? So if we want to get real to fucking weird with it, we're going to raise the age of majority to 24. And here's, here's how you do that. And, and by the way, uh, you can vote starting at 18 still. But otherwise, we're raising— You can have sex starting at 14 still. And you do what— You can have sex not, even younger, but it won't be— Not my business. Yeah. Uh, but, it, I think it's the age of consent in most states is 14. No, that can't be right. I think it's higher. Not in some states, it's not. I'm no. pretty sure there's at least one state that's 14. <laughs> I'm cruising the middle school next weekend, if that's the case. <laughs> oh, it says 16. Yeah. Anyway, if we want to get... Rhode re- Island, 14 years old. If we want to get Kablam. real weird with it, yep. <laughs> uh, raise the age of majority. You can't really... You know, you're not an adult until you're fucking 24. And the way that you do that is high school runs until 18. You have the service program that runs for two years after that. And then you go to college if you want to go to college, right? And that gets you to 24. Your brain is very nearly done forming, right? 20, 25, 26, something like that is when the, the human brain stops growing. You get like four years of peak performance. And then you hit 30 and everything starts fucking falling apart, apparently. You just start <laughs> losing brain cells in your 30s. Will this come with a two-year two, two bump or three-year bump to the retirement age? to say, hey, we need uh, We're going to live people. so much longer. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that should have been done a decade ago as well. You have to raise the retirement age to 70. 67? 70 at least. 70. Good lord. Everyone's fucking the fine. How much at retirement do you fucking need? These people are living to 90 years old. Oh, please. You know how frequent that is? Most people die much younger. If you agree to be summarily executed on your 80th birthday, <laughs> you can retire at 65. <laughs> By the way, I think 88 you, is when in Futurama they shipped him off. By the way, I, I admit that it's a terrible idea, but 10 years ago, as an aside, I was telling my brother of my golden retirement plan idea, and it was basically this. Like, whatever year you want to call it, you get five years of retirement, and you can get all the stuff you want, but at the end of those five years, that's the right, end just plan, of you. Just plan for a kick-ass five-year <laughs> retirement, right? <laughs> It'll be a, a kick at four year retirement and then a lot of anxiety that last year. You're not going to be <laughs> happy. <laughs> not if you're just drunk the whole time. All right. I want to do one more thing tonight. We can't just do gun things. So I've got some Strassman for us. Oh, nice. It's now time for America's favorite game show. Did Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national correspondent, get off a good one? Here's CBS's Mark Strassman. At Xavier College Prep, a dynasty in Arizona high school sports, the real champ is a 78-year-old nervy nun. This is what Xavier's all about, right? Sister Lynn Windsor. You have force of personality. Fair to say? I would say. That energy is what you threw behind these sports. More opportunities for girls is what it's all about. Sister Lynn, a 1961 alum here, became Xavier's athletic director in 1977, determined to put Title IX into action. And so we sat down and we said, we got to make things change. You put in a lot of sports. Yes, we did. So how about getting soccer going? How about beach volleyball? This month, Xavier's softball team won it all. The school's 145th state championship across a dozen sports since Sister Lynn took charge. 
We don't win everything. I mean, you look. Doesn't at look it. Senior Riley Flynn will pitch for Harvard this fall. Her attitude is contagious, and you know she's got that champion attitude. You know we're going to win. Our motto is women of faith pursuing excellence. So when we get into something from day one, we want to excel. <laughs> but having fun and making friends is the, for girls, it's the most important thing. Hit the ball. This nun turned winning into an article of faith. Mark Strassman, CBS News, Phoenix. <laughs> Damn it, Strassman. <laughs> All right, I did uh, Mark Strassman, CBS News' senior national news correspondent. Get off a good one. No. Ooh, so no. Oh, Let's try again next time. Okay. I think that his delivery is what was good. Like, I didn't expect that to happen. The problem is that it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, thing, it doesn't. The thing that but... he said doesn't make any goddamn sense at all. You know, that's how I like my, my humor. Yeah. Um, I, like, I didn't think... She's not like a journalist coach teacher. Right. Like, an article of... Like, like he, he tries to play as though the article of faith is some sort of addition... That there's like a, a fourth level held pun. Belief. Right, right. But uh, it's the way that he... He says it, makes it sound like there's a double entendre pun happening, right. not just yeah. a standard issue pun, but it's just one pun. Uh, the other thing, I, um, I've been trying to figure out why girls play softball and boys play baseball and why that happens. Yeah. Well, because boys uh, used to have to throw the spear overhand, whereas girls, they bowled to get their prey. Yeah, apparently there's under... no reason... It's just sexism? No, no, no. It's because men have thrown the baseball yeah. overhand as as a spear, right? Yeah. Like the hunting days. And as I said, women, <laughs> they never Bowling. threw spears. They took yeah. heavy objects and rolled them at the prey in order – and that's why the underhanded softball. How, uh, how effective do you imagine that that underhanded – Not <laughs> very effective, obviously. I finally found an article that was like, stop looking – there isn't a reason. There used to be, and it was because the ball was softer and it was safer. But now it's not, and it's do you just see, sexist. Do you see what our nation's lesbians used to do back in the 60s? They graduated <laughs> from college, they became nuns, and they coached for 40 fucking years. <laughs> this is the sort of world we need to rebuild for our nation's youth. If we're going to have the family values that we need to not fucking murder scores of children at a time any longer. Put our lesbians back in the habit. So that's a Strasser level pun. Yeah, yeah, but you said it, so it wasn't that good. Well, you've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. Find the show on Facebook or Twitter. Head on over to brainiron.com or castironbrains.com. We were not retweeted by any prominent accounts this week, I'm afraid. Bummer. You don't have to update that every week. I'm going I think. to continue to update that every week. Abe, Top Gun Maverick made $156 million wow. over the weekend. The biggest Memorial Day debut or premiere for any movie, I believe, in, in the history of cinema. You were one of those $156 million spent, I'm sure. How was it? It was a very uh, entertaining movie. I went on opening day Friday, 3 o'clock, which anyone paying attention is still my working hour, so somehow made it work. Uh, I go to the theaters and it's packed. And from the get-go, I think they recreated the original movie, the opening, where with a, 
you know, the 80s were a weird time where every, there's like music videos inside of movies and it's kind of like yeah. that. And so it right. opened with kind of almost a shot for shot replica of the original. And you just kind of had this shit eating grin. It's like, oh my God, this is going to be right. great. <laughs> like from the get go, you're like, I'm in whatever this is. I don't know if this is the case for every showing or just opening weekend, but at the top, Tom Cruise in real, you know, not the, the whatever the character is, uh, Maverick, Tom Cruise uh, says a little spiel, which was a little weird. Like, hey, guys, oh, thanks for coming it out. It opens with a speech from yeah. Tom Cruise from as Tom, Tom Cruise. Right. He's like, hi, Tom Cruise here. I'm glad you guys are here. Basically, he's talking up movie going like in a theater because he's into that because of, you know, the $150 million that it made. Uh, so, yeah, it opens with like a one minute like, hey, guys. Welcome, and then right is into the Is there a better-known celebrity who we know less about who we want to know nothing more about besides Tom Cruise? That's a right. weird formulation. That complica- right. I, 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 I <laughs> gave I like three, yeah. Yeah. three weird qualifications I mean, there. There's probably one, but it will take more than time we have to get there. I don't know. I think it's just Tom Cruise. <laughs> like I don't want to know anything about that psychopath's inner workings. Right. I don't know very much except for the – Fucking Joaquin Phoenix. I want to know nothing about Joaquin Phoenix. You're you're right. uh, Same. But what's different with Tom Cruise uh, is there isn't a chance that the more you know, the more you'll like about it. Like with the other, it could be 50-50. Like I don't want to know it, but like you tell me, oh, he likes dogs or whatever. Like, okay, great. Or if he does something else, not not so great. But Tom Cruise, I don't think the more we know, it's going to be anything positive. So it's like let's – Live in this world where I know just enough to where it's okay. I can watch your stupid movie every couple of years, and that's and our relationship. A spectacular actor, right? Like, and, and just a fantastic actor who's not gotten his just due relative to the performances that he's put in, and seems to have accepted like that. He's no, he's just no longer going to bother trying to do yeah. like. Like he still does great fucking performances, but he does them in movies that will never be recognized as being actually great movies or, or right. being like, like he's not fishing for Oscars the way that you imagine a lot of these people might. Like he should have won the Oscar for his performance in in Magnolia uh, as a supporting actor. Fantastic sure. fucking performance in a fantastic movie. It's shameful that he didn't win it. I don't remember who he lost to, but it doesn't matter. That was the performance of the year, and he didn't win it. And it's like he gave up on trying to do big dramatic roles after like eyes wide shut and magnolia and that sort of thing right well in, in the movie again it's plot wise it's pretty basic but it's just it just hits all the right notes and what's i was thinking after watching it it's like the one criticism the first movie had i guess there's more than one but you know it's basically like a lot of these movies military propaganda like rah rah yeah. america blah blah but as you're watching it, you're like, ah, oh, who cares about all that? Look at all those planes flying. Right. Like it's kind of like how you know a movie's good. You don't care, even though you know that this it doesn't matter the angle. You still enjoy it. And Val Kilmer, who has uh, some throat cancer, was in the movie um, at, at the uh, end. They kind of tied it up very well. The uh, highly regarded Jennifer Connelly is in it. Uh, very good movie. All over. And I feel like the Man, she looks spectacular. Yeah, she does. Yeah. I feel like that the thing you're talking about where it's like just pretend you're in a different version of this is easier now with COVID 
Yes. Because some movies and TV acknowledge that that's a thing. Yeah. But other ones, it's just the before times. Right. It's the before times. And yeah, you're this like, is... all right, here yeah. we are. The before it's, times. It's... All right, I'll buy it. Right. Well, I mean, this was done two years ago. They just... yeah, it was done two years ago. Also, at th- the same can be said of the original, but like the lengths that they went to make the enemy just this non-existent entity like i was gonna ask you is there is there a bad guy because it can't obviously it can't be china in today's environment the bad the only reference to the real world is that basically they got some uh intelligence that some nefarious country that they never mentioned the name but they're like uh nato did the assessment of the threat and that NATO is the only reference that means but (laughs) they're showing some non-nato country out in the world country country, they're they're showing a map of where the danger is, and is there's a body of ocean, no name uh, is associated <laughs> with it. It's on the map, though. It's on the, the map. The One of the countries are, that's on the map. Right, but that's it. And then that's it. they never speak. You never see their face. When they show their planes, there's no insignia. There's no, right. It's just like, who the fuck are these people? And, and they Doesn't have matter. slightly better technology than us because, of course, because – the the thrust of the story is like you need the it's the pilot it's not you know right like, you need other stuff. you need to be it's, great you right can't you need just to be rely great and your, there would be like these yeah. ridiculous like stu- oh this mission required very tight maneuvering around like uh, mountainous regions because they have this formidable enemy that we never hear of has radar that can detect you know two hundred feet and up and so you have to be flying very fast underneath that cap and no one can do it and Maverick's like I'll show them. And right. then he does it, and you're like, fuck yeah. He can't. Like, you know, <laughs> it's all just like no one can do it under three minutes. And he's like, I'll do it in two minutes and 15 seconds. Let's go. And he does it, and everybody's like, oh, yeah. shit. And then so they do this it theater that this theater that you are a regular patron of, is the culture of the theater to, like, cheer at the end of a movie or to, so, like, clap? There were a few attempts to do the cheer. Like, in the when he hit the 215, that was very important. More scene, the ending. People try to do the applause because it ended on a on a good note. So, but it was never sustained. Like you'd see a smatter, you'd hear a smattering of, and right. there's enough people in there that are like, no, no, that's too far. I enjoyed it too. <laughs> I can tolerate a lot of shit, but I'm not going to be part right. of some Tom, applause. Tom's shit. not back in the projection room watching to see <laughs> yeah, if people approve. Right. <laughs> but although although that, that asshole does claim that he like goes in disguise to every movie that comes out in theaters. Right. So. He, That's he's, not he's, in Atlanta. Though. He's an Abe Although, going out there and seeing fucking everything. I, I don't think I've ever applauded for anything in a movie. I've laughed at in opp- opportune times. But like to be fair to those people, they they know they're no one that made the movie there. They're doing I, it for I each other. I know that I've done it. I can't remember when, but it was not in my control. Like well, okay. it was. I was so happy. <laughs> it didn't matter that the actors were on a screen. Right. Well, we watched a great deal of like stand-up comedy related content over the memorial day weekend the george harlan thing we watched the both both halves of the it was like almost four hours of the george harlan documentary we watched the whole of that i forgot how like angry and like very like nihilistic he got at the end i would say he got cranky not angry Yeah, but that's the- he was pretty angry. I mean, it's fair to call George Carlin angry. <laughs> I never angry. felt like it was angry. I felt like it was cranky. It, you also forget how much of a fucking hack George Carlin was yeah, a lot of the very, time. Very scripted. 
Uh, but I mean, very, that was his. He, he, you, you, wh- which example are you referring to? Not like just not just like sixties corny TV hack, but right. like all the way throughout his career, there's an element of like Carlin's a fucking ham and he's a fucking hack and he right. does like very corny. He's got a lot. Even at the end, he had a lot of cheesy fucking material that right. just doesn't do anything for me at all. Now, uh, sure. His insights and anger, uh, largely correct and justified, respectively. And yeah, transformed the, the form a couple of times and, and obviously has his place on the, on the Mount Rushmore of American stand-up comedy, rightfully so, I think. I, I, uh, I know there wasn't an actual rule about the seven dirty words, but how many of them have cleared that hurdle? Are there certain words you can say now that, from that I list? Mean, the, because now s- almost nothing is on network television. I was going to say, when, like during, during prime time, during family hour on television, yeah, yeah, you still can't say any of them. But yeah, after 10 o'clock, you can pretty much do whatever you want to do. Although the networks largely have not embraced that. They don't want to deal with it. Right. Plus, they've all got their streaming platforms now if they want to shove the more explicit con- content off to pay TV. Although, you don't think that would be a very disorienting if they had like the same show but like the streaming version was a little more risque that it's like oh it's interchangeable and then you're like what the fuck (laughs) uh but that was fine and carlin he was never my favorite stand-up comedian but he was he's up there he was always my favorite but yeah i always thought bill hicks did it better ultimately really yeah see that's what i never took to his i never thought he actually did actual funny stuff i mean insightful stuff sometimes yeah Kind of like that other guy, but getting into trouble in the 60s, uh, Lenny Bruce Lenny or Bruce. whatever. Yeah. Uh, we also watched uh, the Gervais special on the oh, new Netflix, uh, Ricky Gervais. It was fine. It's good. It's Ricky. It's Ricky doing the Ricky Gervais thing and yeah. needlessly kicking the hornet's nest with not the best material is sort of the problem. <laughs> like, 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 it's like there's a couple of good jokes in there and there's some... He has a very good bit on cats. Oh. Yeah. Oh, but that. like the <laughs> the best line in the entire special, if I can remember it exactly right off the top of my head, is I really like to annoy people. I think he <laughs> says at one point. Like, and like... Once, like, if you can just, if all of the people out there who get so butthurt about things and and feel like some sort of actual damage is being done, or that or that trans kids are dying because of something Ricky Gervais said on a Netflix special, like, no, you're you're putting way too much into this. He likes to annoy people, and on the flip side, people really like to watch something that makes them feel like somebody else might be getting annoyed. Right. Like, and that's, that's almost 99. That's, that's almost the entire ball of wax here right. as far as what's going on. Uh, but that is true. Yeah. Like there are a lot of content is generated just for the react, like somebody reacting, expecting somebody to react negatively to it. And somebody else will watch it because they anticipate that negative reaction. And it's like, what about the actual content itself? Like, is it, did it work on its right. own, or do you- well? And he, that's been his thing the whole time. Like all he's ever doing is trying to piss people off. Right. Right. No. Like he's also trying to be funny. Right. But he's also trying to piss people off. Right. Like, and it's it's like his game. He, his episode on the Conan was really good. It was like a couple years ago. 
yeah. you know, he's just always no, trying. I, I enjoy his appearance. I like, I like most of his conversations that he has with people. I enjoy his, his interviews, and obviously his hosting of the Golden Globes was great. I like Ricky Gervais just fine. But it's not like a... It's not a must-watch of an hour of stand-up. Uh, when was the last such thing? It seems like a lot of these stand-up specials now is just kind of like just on a... Tig Notaro's it, most recent stand-up was like perfect for You like that way more than I was did. Was it recent? Oh, my God. Yeah. i got to watch that. It's called uh, Happy to Be Here. Beyond that, what else did we do? We watched uh, Star Wars Episode Nine with the kids. Lots Which of one the is, uh, autistic kids. What's too? the name of that? Uh, the Rise Skywalker. of Skywalker. Okay. Yep. Yeah. For I, I swear, the, I, you constantly refer to numbers, and it makes no connection. Like, like Rise of Sky. Okay. Yeah. Rise of Skywalker is the last of the Skywalker saga. It is rife with all of the problems that I complained about the last time that we had this discussion about the right. Star Wars movies, and commits the gravest sin that. I remember I wrote a post about how there's no stakes in Marvel movies, and what drives me nuts is like they do all of these things and they immediately reverse them, and it's yeah. only gotten worse the farther that they've gone down the multiverse thing with yep. their properties. And I'd written all of that, and this was before The Rise of Skywalker comes out. And at the middle of Rise of Skywalker, they kill Chewie, and they do it. It's an off-screen death. So Chewbacca... One of the most beloved characters throughout the entire series, uh, the, the, the fucking Wookiee, someone moved this walking carpet, like just an absolutely beloved character. And in the moment that you're watching it happen, you have every reason to believe that Chewbacca has just been killed and he was killed because a, tra- a prisoner transport ship exploded right in front of your face and all the characters on screen believe him to be killed you have every reason to believe that he was killed and then 90 seconds later they show Chewbacca (laughs) walking around uh, and he was just and the explanation is oh there must have been a second prisoner transport (laughs) that we just didn't see like it's just completely fucking unforgivable. Right. And it was weird because I'm like... Yeah, but they didn't like resurrect him from the dead, No, though. I know. It's but not like, like in Marvel. It's not like in Marvel, but it's the, it's even worse somehow. It's like we do live in a universe that has stakes, but we're just not going to give you the information necessary as some sort of way of like trying to promote character growth, I guess, is what they're doing. Is, is like for Rey to realize in that moment that she has more power than she knows how to deal with. With, right. and that she can't possibly hope to wield it like i at least it's sort of couched in some sort of a character archetype thing that's happening but watching and it, it pissed me off when i saw it in theaters a few years ago and then watching it with my kids and knowing calvin that, was not okay like calvin was not okay that they just fucking killed chewy and he didn't even have like a heroic death it was a stupid death where he just gets captured by some fucking guards because he doesn't look behind him when he walks off a ship and it's a completely unacceptable way for this character to have gone and it's just not cool jj abrams <laughs> you shitty fucking writer director to have done that to the emotions of my kid and then to just like to have it mean nothing right to just have him turn up alive two minutes later it's just not okay i uh did forget one thing that i have been watching uh, so breaking bad had the spinoff better call psalm and yeah. they just uh had their they're doing this stupid thing that a lot of these shows do now where they'll chop up the last season into two uh at least for 
Better Call Saul, the break is only like six weeks or eight weeks. Like it's going to start up again in July and and end right. for pioneered. Good. I think by the Sopranos did that. I think they were the f- first show I can remember splitting their last season into two halves. Right, but did, and then did the Sopranos Breaking do it? Bad did it? The yeah. Walking Dead yeah. does it. Yeah, I don't know anyway. why they do that, but uh, at least it's not a long break. But it's a testament to how little uh, impact this show has on just the discourse that the ending to that episode should have gotten a lot more reactions online. Like, holy shit, what just happened kind of thing. But, like, no one watches the show. Like, I think I saw a graphic of the ratings where Breaking Bad had steady ratings early on, and then it just went through the roof for the last couple of seasons. And then Better Call Saul started kind of high and has plummeted to where Breaking Bad started. It's almost this weird kind of going back to how... And apparently that's not a commentary on the quality of the show. Right. I've no, not, it's a great show, I've only seen yeah. one episode. I saw the first episode when it happened, and then I've never gone back and watched it. I intend... I fully intend to watch it because everything that I've read about it is that it is as good as, if not in some ways, better than Breaking Bad was. Right. It's not better if for no other reason that some of the characters, you know their fate. There's nothing that... I mean, mm. they weren't going to kill off Walt or White on the main right, show, right. but like there was a chance. I mean, this one, there's no way better call. I mean, uh, Jimmy McGill or whatever, you know, uh, Saul Goodman dies because he's, yeah, in a, a future show. Right. And also, it's weird because this is a prequel and like, you know, obviously necessarily takes place in the before times, but all the actors are old as fuck. So, like, you see Mike, yeah. right, <laughs> who's supposed to be a younger self and he's old yeah, as fuck. Tricky. And it's just funny. Like, come on, man. You got anything else for us tonight, Abe? Nope. Well, I guess that's all we've got for tonight, then. We will talk to you next time. Later. Anyway, you were going to say mean things about your mom other than Oh, yeah, other than that. uh, There's this insistence, and we've talked about this on the show before. I don't even know why I'm including it. But there's an insistence that there's a secret history to this country that we just weren't taught in schools. And, like, it's it's part of this whole, like, conversation on race. Like, we're not... We, we need to have a conversation on race. We haven't had an honest discussion about this. And they're like, what, what are you talking yeah. about? My entire education was the entire I think history that curriculum. yours and my education were in the minority, but still, I don't, you're not wrong. I think that you're exaggerating how right you are. Night. Everyone read yeah. Night. Lori's reading Night by Eli Wiesel, and she's like, oh, enough with the fucking <laughs> and Jews and, and the Holocaust. And Jesus. The Raisin in the Sun thing. Like, it was just all, it seemed heavily skewed minority i'm not saying i identify with the nazis but were they complaining this much back then i it's just if i was thinking that uh 20 years ago yeah you know i anyway there's a a stupid meme a stupid meme that goes around every memorial day the last few years that somebody put together and it's like a picture uh, and the text of it says they didn't tell you in school, but the first Memorial Day was celebrated in Charleston, South Carolina, by freed black slaves who reinterred the bodies of slain Union soldiers and honored them. And that was the first Memorial Day. And it's just like, yeah, this ceremony took place in 1866 or whatever, and it was a big local deal. But like, there are uh, 140 different claims of being the quote-unquote first Memorial Day, right. and not any one of them has any real claim to the throne. And the idea that somehow 
like what in middle school there's supposed to be a class where you learn all of the different competing claims to the Memorial Day throne and then when, like <laughs> you don't I didn't know what we didn't talk about Memorial Day yeah at all we anyway, weren't in school that day it's just a silly thing that bothered me today on the internet and I tried to make fun of my mother for posting it, but she'd already deleted it by the time I got off my snarky comment. So, I guess your snark uh, was anticipated. Like, I don't know, Apparently, it usually is. I mean, we're dealing with. finished forty-second season. Not too bad. Oh yeah, is there a big winner? Did the did the correct person win? No, this time nobody. There's no right winner. Sometimes they just pick somebody at random. But uh, this check. Jeff Probst guy is kind of getting carried away with uh, some of his changes. Oh, yeah. Too many, too many gimmicks. Every two seconds, it's like, oh, never too mind. Too many gimmicks. Too many. You are the that's fucking gimmick me. king. What are you talking that, about? Yeah, but you can overwhelm something. You can do too much of a good thing. Just too many things. Too many twists. Just keep it simple. You see what our nation's lesbians used to do back in the '60s? 